0: Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Put away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel.
1: Find out the backstory on one of the most famous passages in all the Bible today on Our Jewish Week. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm David Hart.
2: I'm Kirsten Hart. I'm Joshua.
1: And I'm Caleb. Welcome, <laughs> friends. Joshua, Caleb, not only is that your name but also the Bearded Bible Brothers. Yeah. They are with us now full time around this table. We're really glad to have you guys with all your insight, your wisdom. It's been a great series. I it's been amazing. We're at the end of our program. It's all about Joshua. Yeah. Joshua. Hey, Joshua. Speaking of- Yes, ma'am.
2: And I, I had just a revelation. Mm. You're sitting here, but you're also in the dramatic reenactment. Yeah. So today is is your farewell address oh. in the dramatic reenactment, right? It's I mean, that's so emotional. neat. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, Joshua, his whole life is spent to try to achieve this thing this, that he understands that he's supposed to do. And then it comes to the end of his life and he doesn't get to do that. I mean, I, I, I actually, when I was playing this part... I connected so well with that concept. Mm-hmm. I, I have these hopes and the dreams that God's placed in my heart that have yet to be discovered and fulfilled. And so as Joshua's going through all this, he's facing all this opposition and he's standing for truth. And at the very end, it still does not happen yet, but there's more to the story because God still mm-hmm. has Israel at his heart and he still wants them to succeed. And it's going to be an interesting story today to see this That's farewell. Right.
2: So now we get to go to see you from set to the dramatic reenactment. Here's Joshua, Joshua's farewell address.
4: After 40 long years in the wilderness, the children of Israel have found their home in the promised land. The boundaries of the tribes have been determined, and Joshua has summoned the people together to give his farewell address. It
0: was the Lord our God who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you as he promised. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel.
4: Joshua's voice will long be remembered, his leadership unmatched, What remains after his death at the age of 110 are detailed accounts of battles won and covenants confirmed. Roadmaps to and through the land of promise are noted as well.
5: Here's his plan for Jericho and a map on the taking of I. Battle plans for kingdoms to the south and the north. Another map. A recent one, showing the boundaries of our
6: tribes. It is a treasure. His victories, his losses, his dreams, they're all here. And his final bidding as well.
5: And may we never forget it. Joshua's covenant with the house of Israel it appears he recorded every single word.
6: Joshua was just the messenger. Clearly, the words are from Adonai.
5: Here, his address of farewell. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I took your father Abraham and led him through the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt.
7: Egypt.
6: He never wanted us to forget it, how Moses led us away from the hand of the Pharaoh, the miracle of the Red Sea. Yes. And he continues
5: on about Adonai's faithfulness as we approached Canaan. Then you went over the Jordan. Ah, defeat of the Amorites defeated the Canaanites,
6: the Hittites, the Jebusites. But it was not with the sword that we defeated the Amorites. Joshua wanted us to know it was Adonai's might, not ours. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities that you did not build. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant.
5: may we never forget his final commission. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, the Lord or the gods of the land you live in.
6: As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
5: And we agreed. The entire house of Israel agreed. The Lord Adonai is our only God. We will obey
6: and serve only him and be faithful to the covenant with hearts that are pure. With Joshua gone, do you really think it's possible? Our children will know. I pray those who follow us will recall how faithful Adonai was despite our shortcomings. Lord God of Israel, May the generations yet to come remember this covenant and our pledge before you. May they understand how blessed they are because of what happened here. May they never forget these marvelous days of Joshua and of your hand that led us to this magnificent land of promise.
4: The prayers of gratitude offered 3300 years ago still ring true here in the land of promise. We came to Timnah Cheres in the very heartland of Israel to consider the legacy of the man whose strategic command led the children of Israel from the banks of the Jordan to the miracle that is now the state of Israel. It is here that Joshua was finally laid to rest in the hills of the land he loved so much, the area allotted to his tribe, Ephraim." It's a beautiful land, and you can see it behind me, and it's all around me. And I know that the children of Israel were thrilled to be here and thankful that Joshua was the one who led them in here. But now it's time to say goodbye, as they say. Goodbye was the order of the day with Joshua. He ran his course and served Israel well, and he closes the book by recapping all of that, and I want to alight upon some of that as well. Here from the area of Timnitzere, a beautiful place where Joshua made his resting place. He, for a certain period of time, belonged to humanity, but now he belongs to history and is remembered through his writings and through the legacy that he left of faithfulness to the Lord. That was attested early on in how he stayed with Moses and served him. Both as a military man, he served him, he served him, as uh, an attendant in the sanctuary. He was just a go-to guy. And inasmuch as he was a go-to guy to serve Moses, finally then the mantle of leadership went to him. And he used his influence not to serve the man of the Lord, Moses, but the people of the Lord. And so it is, he ran his course as a leader uh, through valleys and mountaintops. And he came to proximity to this place where he made his resting place. We pick up with the finale of Joshua in his, uh, the book that bears his name. In the 24th chapter, we read, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, an interesting place. In fact, that's where the promise began. I say that because back in Berechit in Genesis, the twelfth chapter, the the gifting of the real estate, the, the, the promise of the land is articulated. So he brings them to the place where the promise was first promised, and there, among other things, he recapped the story of God's faithfulness to them in so many ways, through so many days and he exhorted them to walk with the Lord. In fact, you go to uh, verse 14, and I'll be kind of working my way through the text. He says, Now therefore, he says, fear the Lord. Ya'ar Adonai, it means to revere him, to take him seriously, and serve him. He says, in sincerity and truth. It's a beautiful exhortation, and he doesn't just stop there. He goes on to say something that, uh, uh, that he's well known for. Right thereafter, in verse 15, he says, choose this day whom you shall serve. That is to say, individuals have to make a choice. Joshua made that choice. Uh, people need to have an internal locus of control. That is to say, we make executive decisions, and with those decisions, we decide how we're gonna live our lives. He says, you make that choice. He, he finishes up the verse with a very famous line in Hebrew, the anoki na na'avod et adonoi. Famous verse, he says, me, ani, and my house. We will serve the Lord." When he thinks of house, we're not talking about sticks and bricks and an address on the street somewhere. It's household. That is to say, he's made his mark. And not only has he made his mark as an individual, but he is inculcating that faith and virtue within his immediate web of relationship. He made that decision, me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And I should say, parenthetically, that's not simply a case of, well, we're gonna go to church on Saturday, you know, or Sunday. There were no synagogue services to go to back then. It's not being pious in the sense of religious attendance and uh, at worship uh, places and spaces, and I'm not trying to minimize that. Much as it is, serving the Lord, there's a a code. There's an ethical code to be a sadiq. Uh, Tzedakah is the Hebrew word for righteousness. It's also the word for charity, that is to say, caring and sharing about others. We will serve the Lord, that is to say, we'll place a premium on doing his bidding, on being his hands and his feet. We'll go where he leads us to go, and we'll do what he beckons us to do, we will serve the Lord. And that's what it was then, and we would do well to recover it today. Simply put today, many of us say, well, yeah, we serve the Lord. We go to church on Sunday. And uh, yeah, you know, if the message is good, I'll throw a few bucks in the plate. I'm not trying to disparage giving and attending as much as to say this serving the Lord harks to an executive decision that I'm gonna invest my energies in life, not just to contribute to my own concerns, but mindful of God that I want to make sure that his kingdom come and his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And friend, if we do that, like Joshua, we'll be more than a conqueror.
1: As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, something that we
7: practice every day. That's true. You know, that's a, everybody knows that line uh, from Joshua's farewell address, but most of that address he was kind of scolding the Israelites saying, this is years after they took most of the land. He dispersed them to their tribal territories to cl- clean out all the squatters. They didn't fulfill the word of the Lord. He's like, what are y'all guys doing, you know? Imagine tough.
3: stepping up as a leader to a doomed project. He knew from the very beginning that this was going to fail, and yet he did everything he possibly could to succeed with what God told him. Way back when, yeah, before when, when Moses was going to hand over That's the mantle, true. God had a meeting with Moses and Joshua. And you can read here in Deuteronomy yeah. 31, verse 16 and 17. Then the Lord told Moses, look, you are about to join your ancestors. Afterwards, this people will, re- will rebel and commit prostitution with foreign gods of the land that they were about to enter to possess. They will abandon me and break my covenant that I made with them. When that happens, my anger will burst against them because they will have abandoned me. I'll hide my face from them, and they will be consumed, in many evils and distresses will find them.
7: So that was before Joshua took over the job. God said, all right, Joshua, you're taking over, but guess what? Your people are going to fail. I think that's heavy, man, having that weight. I'm sure that weighed on, on Joshua most of his life, thinking, what can I do? How can I use every moment and every opportunity to change this, to, to change the future, if you will? Uh, I think he did a pretty good job. And I believe that's why in his farewell address
3: he says, I can't control what you're about to do now, mm. but I can assure you, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord that's right. with every breath, with every last moment, because he knew that them not doing that was going to lead to really bad things for a long time. Mm. Yes.
7: Well, Jeff's gonna continue teaching about Joshua's final days and his farewell address. We'll join him now.
4: While individuals need to decide to serve the Lord individually, the means by which we do that is not determined individually. And thus, I have some paraphernalia in front of me. The menorah reminds us of the Creator God who did it in seven days. And the talis here is a powerful reminder in the Jewish people, uh, among the Jewish people, that is of serving the Lord. And the reason why I note that is because the way it's designed itself harks to the commandments of the Lord. The tzitzit, the fringes, are a reminder to keep the Sabbath, and there are other things built into this which I won't describe. That 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 speak of putting on the commandments, putting on the instructions, living within that. In the Bible, Paul is referred to as a tent maker. He probably made these. I don't think he had a contract, to Boy Scouts of America, to heave out a lot of canvas. But, uh, but Hebrew people live and worship in these tents. In fact, even Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And uh, there's a cogent argument that he's referencing uh, to being compliant to the teachings in the covenant. Well, in any case, uh, you heard me in the previous segment. Uh, give voice to the fact that Joshua had an internal locus of control, and he as an individual decided to use his influence for godly purposes, and he was minded to inculcate that into his immediate family. We see as well that the individuals that he's talking to similarly buy into that particular vision. I mention that because in verse 18, they say as much. miponenu gamanachnu not a vote et Adonoi, we will serve the Lord, they say, ki hu Eloheinu, that is, for he is our God. See, if you have someone who's very direct and there's some forceful about it, if you will, then that has a way of uh, inculcating uh, biblical virtues in those in proximity. If you have the man of the house in the household who's rather sheepish about religious things, that casual nature then trickles down through the family system. Better to have resolve. And then you see that it goes somewhere. And here the people say as much, Joshua, we're going to do it with you. And again in verse 24, the people said, the Lord our God, we will serve. We will serve him and his voice. We will hearken, his voice we will listen to. And I'll tell you that Joshua had something to do with that. We get out of the story in verse 31. The author says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Vekol Yeme, hazkinim asher heeriku yomim acharei. In all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, the man left a mark. The man left a legacy. The man had influence. And why is that? What can we learn from that? The reason why he left an influence is because he was doggedly determined himself to serve the Lord. This is evidence throughout his life. This was evidence before he ever became a man of such powerful influence. He was an able servant of the Lord, and that's attested in his earlier years with Moses as an assistant. And similarly, subsequent to that, when the mantle came on him, he was doggedly determined to serve the Lord. And that's evidenced by the way he finished up, even by coming here to Tzimnetzeri. It's an outpost. You know, a lot of times when people become very successful, and if you take the literature literally, he has some two million people in tow, and he's the macher, you know, he's the big shot. A lot of these people leave a legacy in wealth and monuments, but he had none of that. He retired to a humble place to a simple life. And he's known not by the wealth, not by the power that came forth after him, but by the influence that he carried with him while he made his journey from the womb to the tomb. This was a man who wanted to make a difference in his generation. And what he left for subsequent generations is a memory, not a fortune, not a castle. There's no big monuments built to him. He died humbly, as did his boss. Moshe Rabbeinu similarly ran his course, and uh, his burial place we know not to this day. Well, we know where Joshua finished up. We know it because the text says as much. But again, he didn't leave a fancy monument. The text says in verse 29, and I'm finishing up by backing up a little. And after these things, the Ramat Yehoshua ben Nun, Joshua, the servant of the Lord, died. Finishes up like that, noting he was 110 years old. Listen, I wanna thank you for going on the journey with me as we together explored the life of one of the greats. And I hope the experience will contribute to your own understanding of what greatness will look like for you. Faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to his purposes, If you serve the Lord well, you'll find it's reciprocal. It'll come back to you 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And yes, you, even you, like Joshua, can be more than a conqueror. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to Chaim Mailspin, a friend, a leader in the Israeli Defense Forces. Let's look and see what he had to say. Chaim, great to be with you today. It's good to be here. And you remind me of Joshua, ask me why. Well, why is that? Well, funny you should ask, and I'll tell you, because in the Bible, Joshua led those people into the land, helped them get into the Promised Land. You're doing the very same thing through your ministry. Can you talk to us about what you're doing up in
8: the Galilee? Well, yes, the Aliyah return center. Aliyah means that very entrance to the promised land, just like Joshua did. uh, We're positioned right on the Jordan River. You remember where he took those 12 stones and made a monument, uh, one for each tribe? That's what we're seeing is that God's regathering his people right now, just as he said he'd do. There's 64 key scriptures that are happening right now out of the large wealth of 700 scriptures, promises of this return that we're able to facilitate there. We have, of course, the Lone Soldier Program. Those people came here without their family. you got the Agricultural School. they got to learn how to work the land. Of course, we have the Pre-Army Training Academy and welcome volunteers from all over the world. There's a lot of formidable obstacles. Joshua had them, and I guess you have them too. What are they? People when they come to what would be a foreign land to them, they need to learn Hebrew. How do I get a job? I have to go to the army. I have to be trained for that. My oh my, how do I get married? How do I sign an apartment? You know, these are the giants in the land, not as scary as Goliath, but certainly are some formidable enemies to God's plan of, I will plant them land with all my heart and all my soul. Jeremiah 32 verse 41. We're in the most exciting time since the resurrection of Yeshua. We are seeing the Ezekiel 36 happen where the new, the new heart will come, a heart of stone out, heart of flesh in, and that all has to do with their great in-gathering. Thank you for participating with me in the vision that God has for the restoration.
4: It's an honor to be with you. Thank you, sir.
8: It's a pleasure to serve alongside you, sir. <laughs>
2: Dr. Seif and Chaim Todah Rabah, that's thank you so much in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language. We just want to say a very special thank you for all that you have done throughout this whole series. And it is not just a small cost to bring Dr. Seif to teach you from Israel and to bring Chaim, an IDF soldier, through the television camera dramatic and reenactments what, what that the you've dramatic seen. reenactments. There's a price to pay. And we hope that you have enjoyed the truths that we have brought you in this whole series. And if you have, would you please consider giving perhaps an above and beyond gift to this ministry so we can finish strong and keep the good word going out literally on the airwaves across the
3: world. Mm.
2: And you guys... You did it. Joshua, you taught on Joshua.
3: We survived the series. You did. (laughs) Joshua and Joshua. It was almost like it was meant to be. Mm. An incredible series about the grace and forgiveness of God. God's commitment to Israel, no matter how many times they messed up, he brought them back 2,000 years scattered across the world, 1948 back as a nation. If you commit to God, he will commit to you every time. His promises are true. He will not go back on them. That's right.
1: Really has been great. Can you tell us what's coming up next
7: in our next series? We have some exciting things to come. Guys, just final series as a teacher for Our Jewish Roots will begin next week. Dateline Jerusalem, Israel, and the reemergence of a temple. This is a prophetic series talking about what's going on today with red heifers and the move to rebuild the third temple. You're not going to want to miss it. After that, we're going to transition more to Josh and I teaching in Israel. Jeff's still going to be involved as our mentor. You'll still see his face from time to time, but keep on tuning in. It's going to be amazing.
1: Guys, I love your passion. Yeah. It's time to end our program today. Let's end. Yes. Sha'lu shalom, yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Zola Levitt Ministries helps us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember, we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.